My name's Cutter Calloway, and I'm Assistant Professor of Theology and Culture at Fuller Theological Seminary. Welcome to Fuller Studio. Welcome to TV and Theology, an audio series in which we construct a theology of television to help viewers more fully engage with the power and meaning of TV. This season, I talk with filmmaker and Fuller alum Avril Speaks about the Netflix Marvel series, Luke Cage. So Black Lives Matter. We have heard that hashtagged and said and stated and restated in a lot of different ways, either parodying it or challenging it or questioning it or throwing, you know, I mean, uh, reinforcing it in some ways. A really interesting both movement culturally, but then also a really interesting number of counter movements. So whether it's blue lives matter or all lives matter, you know, you hear all this. We get to episode 10 of Luke Cage and you have this interesting conversation between Raya and Diamondback, who's now come in and he's got, you know, back to sort of religious imagery. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's got the Judas bullet that <laughs> um, can actually get inside of Luke Cage and explode him from the inside out, right? And he is a a scripture-quoting vigilante, right, Um, that is bringing justice. And in fact, in this exchange in episode 10, he quotes from Proverbs and he says, when justice is done, it's a joy to the righteous, but a terror to evildoers. So so you have (laughs) all this- In that voice too. What's that? (laughs) that He said in that voice too? Yeah, that's right. But it's interesting, he he responds to that when she says, after he's killed a cop and also impended on Luke Cage, she asks the question, what have you done to my city? And his response is, Harlem is not yours. Mm. I stopped there and I thought, you know, it's pretty interesting. And then it's same thing with his quotation of scripture. Like I would say he's maybe misquoting <laughs> scripture in some ways or rightly. I mean, but who's right and who's wrong in that equation of his. Right. But it does raise this question of when we start talking about lives mattering and black lives mattering, mm. when Luke Cage is, as a series is asking about Harlem, which we've said is kind of this representation of, what was the language you used? You said it was the, in your imagination, it was the... I say cultural, no, magical. A magical land of all things, culture, something. Yeah. Um, So this, it's laying a claim. It's like, who who are we? Whose identity? And who gets to say? Like, who's in charge of saying, this is what it means to be black. This is what it means to be a human. This is what it means to be an American. And then the next question is, who gets to say what justice looks like for those people. Because that's what I hear in the Black Lives Matter movement is we as black human beings should matter. And we're being told in all sorts of ways that we don't. Mm -hmm. And we're asking for justice. These counter responses are not necessarily challenging the question of what is or isn't justice, but more who are you to say what justice looks like in this situation. So I don't know if you have thoughts on that, whether what Luke Cage is doing or just in general, Whose justice are we talking about? Is that even a valid way to think about the issue of Black Lives Matter? Mm. There's a lot of things wrapped up in that. I only ask thick questions. Mm. (laughs) Well, in terms of whose justice is it, like who determines what justice is, my instinct is to say the people determine that, meaning the people who are being unjustly treated. You know what what I'm saying? Like only they would know how to right this wrong. Mm -hmm, Do you know what I mean? mm -hmm. 
Because, you know, it's like, is it the church? Is it the leaders? Like, can the leaders even, the leaders can only speak to that if yeah. they are, if they're in that group or if they're in that community. It's kind of the only way that they can define that. Yeah. They can define what that is. And so, yeah, to have people say, well, blue lives matter or to say all lives matter. It's like, but you're not, you're not hearing what the people are saying. Mm -hmm. It's that, and it's not saying that those lives don't matter. It's yeah. just saying that we would just like to not see so many of us yeah. dying all the time. Mm -hmm. And it's almost like, don't we matter too? Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. You know what I mean? Like, of course all lives yeah. matter, but don't we matter yeah. too? It's like, that's what Black Lives Matter is about. It's mm -hmm. like, we have rights too. Yeah. Like we are citizens of yeah. this country and we matter as well. Yeah. And we're, we're affirming that. Like all it is is affirming that. I have in, in my mind, I might be misquoting this or misdescribing this, but some meme or cartoon strip I saw and it's, you know, this large row of houses and one's on fire, fire. and the person's mm -hmm. coming out and like, can someone help me call the fire department? They're like, well, you know, all, all houses, houses matter. matter. You know, I don't know why. You right. Know. So I, that's sort of the picture I have in mind of how absurd it would be in, in that situation. And again, how do you unravel or unpack all the like racial dynamics that are right there on the table immediately? And even claiming all lives matter, there's this impulse towards ownership. The oppressed are not the ones who get to determine what justice is. It's the ones who are in power. Mm -hmm. And not just what justice, but who gets justice and, and, and what levels and then in what forms mm -hmm. even, right? So right now in terms of, you know, again, Luke Cage's history, he was incarcerated. So we have mm -hmm. the mass incarceration of black men. I mean, just at incredible rates, mm -hmm. statistically speaking, mm -hmm. and especially for different types of violations even. Mm -hmm. It's it's just, mm -hmm. it's, it's mind numbing. Mm -hmm. That to the person in power is justice, mm -hmm. you know? Right. And that somehow is justice, but it's only because it's being defined by somebody else. And so the question is how do we allow, how do those in power allow those who are marginalized and oppressed to start defining what justice actually is and what it looks like, what that path is moving forward? Mm -hmm. Well. I think that, you know, it's interesting in, um, sorry, I've been reading a lot about Baltimore, so I keep ah. re referencing Baltimore. That's fine. But if you read about what has happened in Baltimore, what's been going on in Baltimore for a long time, okay. but, you know, even now, because there's been media attention on Baltimore post Freddie Gray and the riots in Baltimore, there's a lot of activists who are saying change has to come from within. Like if we want to change the black community, that has yeah. to come from the black community. And the mm -hmm. leaders that speak into this have to be from this community. And it's kind of like what we were saying before about yeah. like being the savior and coming in. Yeah. And like, you know, when the riots happened, there were a lot of people that kind of swooped in and was like, we need to come and help out Baltimore. You know, and they kind of look at him with a side eye, like, <laughs> where have you been? Yeah. You know what yeah. I mean? Like we've been yeah. here. And even in their efforts to move forward, it's like, this is our city yeah. and we're taking up this mantle and we need us to be the one, like we're going to be the ones to change it. And they've been really, from what I've seen, you know, I'm an outsider looking in and just reading, but from what I've seen, they're really adamant about that and really strong in yeah. that position. And so I, I think, you know, in terms of kind of making space for defining what injustice is and how do you go about like, like in some ways it's kind of relinquishing control a little bit mm -hmm. 
to the people that are there, you yeah. know, and to the people that are within that community yeah. and giving them space, you know, and that's another thing we don't want to do mm -hmm. is give up our control and give people space, not only to talk about their oppression, yeah. but also give them space to to be in a position to do something about it. You yeah. know what I'm saying? It's what's the percentage of black men that don't graduate high school. Yeah. But if you don't give those black men a tool to finish high school and then to have something to do once they get out of high yeah. school, so they have a path or an opportunity to go to college mm -hmm. or to get a decent paying job where they can actually yeah. make a living, you know, let them talk all you want. But if you're not giving them that opportunity for that action or, for, mm -hmm. you know, for that direct physical result, what good is that? Well, it makes me think part of it. I mean, this is why there's such a, a surge to support like community policing that would say, you can't be a peacekeeper, right? Unless you have a really concrete knowledge of a community, of their needs, of their wants, of the problems, of the history, et cetera. Often we approach policing or whatnot, or even solving other flare-ups of crime or whatever in really an abstract way. Like we just think generically, here's how you bring law and order to mm -hmm. a land, right? And so whether it's in Baltimore or else, we just kind of bring that to it. And that, again, to me invokes a sort of objectified form of ownership. Like I own this property because mm -hmm. I'm in charge. I'm the one in charge. And I sort of lay a claim over the lives of all these people. And so if this area starts acting up, I'm going to just, you know, send in the troops or whatever. Mm -hmm. There's no sense in which I'm going to learn who they are on the ground, their stories, who they are as human beings. Mm -hmm. So that's from the perspective of being in power, right? Of you have that, whether you call it luxury or like great evil, <laughs> that, mm -hmm. that you have the tendency to own things. Mm -hmm. You're enacting or exerting justice and, and, you know, meeting it out. And yet then I see in like in Luke Cage, between these various characters who will have different levels of power and privilege over there, they too are in this conversation about who owns the different people, who owns the city, who owns the culture, who and do you encounter struggles there as well among other women, maybe women of color, black women, just uh, African-Americans in general, where you're negotiating amongst yourselves and disagreeing over what justice looks like and how you go about it. Is that something that we're seeing depicted well in Luke Cage or is that more for dramatic effects that you have all these power plays there? No, I think that's very realistic and very yeah. true. Um, you know, one of the things that I keep thinking about is even like with Misty's character, the um, the detective, like she knows this is her community just yeah. as much as it is Luke Cage's community. Mm -hmm. And she knows this community and she knows the kids in it. And so, you know, you were talking about like community policing and there's that element to her character mm -hmm. of kind of protecting her Harlem as well. Mm -hmm. You know, when I think about Black Lives Matter, I think about the women who started that hashtag. Mm -hmm. And after Trayvon Martin was killed and going, this could be my nephew, this could be my son, this could be my, you know, and so there's that aspect, I think, of when you talk about Black Lives Matter, you talk about gender, like even just thinking about like, what's my place as a Black woman in terms of supporting this movement and in terms of how I see this movement, you know, it's multifaceted because even with that, there's, there's definitely, man... There's so many ways I could go with this conversation because I think that there is a power play that as a woman, like I'm black, but I'm also a woman. Sometimes I feel like, sometimes I have to make a decision, put it that way. Sometimes I feel like I have to make a decision 
Am I speaking on this as a black person or am I speaking on this as a woman? I don't know. Should we talk yeah, about sure. the whole yeah, Nate yeah, Parker? I mean, like, you know, with Birth of a Nation, that I kind of felt that conflict. You know, do I support this movie mm -hmm. as a black person? Mm -hmm. and, and it's an important movie. I, yeah. I understand the importance of the film. And I understand the importance of black film and supporting mm -hmm. that because if we don't, then, you know, yeah. th there's a possibility we may not get that opportunity yeah. again. So I understand that importance. But then as a woman, it's concerning to mm -hmm. me that a woman was assaulted and yeah. that's very real. So there comes a, a power play mm -hmm. in that sense as well. So that may be kind of getting off on another mm -hmm. topic than Luke Cage. But, you know, you were asking about power plays and I kind of feel like those are like three issues in and of itself. Like there's yeah. power play, there's like representations of women, there's women in protest, there's women's yeah. involvement in protest. I mean, if you look at the amount of women that have kind of been at the forefront of, you talk about civil rights movement, you can talk about mm -hmm. just any type of protest or any type of uprising. Yeah. In a lot of cases, it's been women that have led the fight on that. Mm -hmm. Even if you t if you talk about this recent election, mm -hmm. you know, there's been plenty of articles written about the fact that black women showed up, like mm -hmm. black women carried that mantle to try to get Hillary elected. Mm -hmm. You know, the percentages of black men that voted mm -hmm. for her, the percentage of white women that voted for Hillary was much less than black yeah. women. And so what does that say about Black women and our involvement, like when it yeah. comes to protests and our position, our kind of posture when it comes to mm. protests. There's been a lot of instances where I've, you know, we've kind of felt like we've been shouldering this thing. Yeah. Like, where is everybody else? Like I said, yeah. with the election, it's like, well, where are the white women? Like, yeah. we kind of took for granted, like, oh, of course, white women are going to vote for the woman president. <laughs> and it's come to find out yeah. that's not the case. Mm -hmm. And so now black women are going, where did everybody, we showed up. Yeah. Where was everybody else? Like, yeah. you know, so there's always kind of this, this feeling like we're having to shoulder progress, mm -hmm. if you will, you know? I wonder that about Mariah's character. You know, you have this woman who was sexually abused. Mm -hmm. Like you said, she's like this politician, but there's also this other side of Mariah too, which kind of comes from her background and comes yeah. from her experience of being abused mm -hmm. as well. But in large part, she's having to shoulder yeah. her cousin. She's having to shoulder this city. Yeah. She's like, there's these, a these stupid men that just keep shooting each other. Right. You know, I mean, she has all those conversations. Yeah, <laughs> right. I think you're right. And then tragically, and this I think is where it totally does all connect, whether black lives matter, but then this question <laughs> of who owns what and who owns whom and who's justice, et cetera, is because not only is there this question historically, but even still now of who owns black bodies, mm -hmm. but then who owns black female bodies. Mm -hmm. And it's like you experience oh so many levels of marginalization so many and, levels. and ownership in spite of the fact that you're doing a lot of the work. Mm -hmm. And yet you keep getting back to these times and the, these scenes where she has just done something effective, meaningful, you know, whatever. And then in comes some guy and is physically threatening her with violence mm -hmm. and, and basically saying, no matter what you do, we mm -hmm. still own you. Mm -hmm. You know, like we're still in charge. Mm -hmm. And it's both, I guess, the good of this show that you do still have all these really powerful black women making effective change 
but still hovering over all of them, mm-hmm. is this sort of violent, oppressive masculinity mm-hmm. that might be more of the problem. So mm-hmm. maybe it needs to be women's lives matter, you know, something mm-hmm. like that, or black women's lives. Mm-hmm. That, well, and it's like, say her name. Like, you know, yeah, it's like that yeah. whole hashtag of say her name. Like, don't forget that there are women that are suffering violence as yeah. well. You know, and Sandra Bland, there mm-hmm. are women who mm-hmm. are suffering violence racially, mm-hmm. but then there's also women that are suffering violence sexually as mm-hmm. well. Like mm-hmm. women are getting assaulted every yeah. day. So it is this kind of double yeah. mantle that, well, that we're Colin having. Colin Kaepernick, camp. right? I mean, he, he kneels down uh, for the national anthem as a football player and says it's because of police violence against people of color. And people are threatening to never watch the NFL again. You know, mm-hmm. blah, blah, blah. It's just, I can't handle it. However, there are countless NFL players that take the field every day and are the perpetrators of sexual assault. Right. No one's and up no in one arms about, 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 that. about you know, right. boycotting the NFL. So we societally have basically just said, we're all right with it. Mm-hmm. Right. And yet here's this show. And that would be interesting too. We sort of stand back from the violence, but her sexual assault is... It's not incredibly clear. You have to pay attention. Yeah. And even then it's not explicitly shown. Mm-hmm. So it's it's almost just assumed, mm-hmm. right? Like, of course she experienced right. sexual assault. Right. Who hasn't? You know? Right. Like, and that's a pretty big tragedy and a pretty big insight, I think, into her character. Mm-hmm. Let's pause there and uh, get to the real conversation in the next one. And that is, what is the church supposed to oh, do God. about all of this? <laughs> right. We gotta we gotta answer the question of how to fix the whole world in, in fifteen to twenty minutes, Ariel. You and me, we're gonna do it. And we're gonna do it in our next episode. <laughs> You have been listening to a production of Fuller Studio. Fuller Studio provides articles, podcasts, videos, and other resources for a deeply formed spiritual life. Subscribe on your favorite podcast app or visit us at fuller.edu studio. 